Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Wednesdays with Wheels. Um, we have an old friend to the podcast joining us, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk to Jenny in just a moment about Homesteads for Hope. Uh, but I got to tell you about our sponsors of the podcast. Uh, so let me get to that. And we're going to start out with Make Your Mark Home Renovation. This takes home renovating to a whole new level. I'm telling you, when Mark Schneider, the owner of this company, gets done with your house, it's going to look like you won the mega millions, like you won the big jackpot. Uh, and you're gonna, your house is going to be the place that everybody wants to have a party at. They do everything from kitchen remodels to bathroom remodels, uh, anything you could want. Uh, Mark has been in the business for over 15 years. So give Mark a call, would you please, at 585-613-6598. That's Make Your Mark Home Renovations. And then the other sponsor of the podcast, longtime sponsor, been with us since the beginning, is Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan cotton candy who doesn't like a little cotton candy i mean i like a little cotton candy when i go to the baseball game or the amherst game well this takes cotton candy to a a whole different level we're not talking just like flavors like cherry and blueberry like you get at those games no we're talking fireball banana shirley temple all those kind of flavors the best part is if your kids or you have any allergies you don't have to worry about it because it's all natural all gluten-free all gmo free they're at the public market, so check them out over there. If you see them there, I think they got a couple more weeks over there. You see them there, tell them you saw this ad on the podcast, and you get a dollar off your purchase. Also, check them out on their Facebook page at Falenga's Gourmet and Artisan Cotton Candy. All right, now that we've gotten that all out of the way, let's talk about Homesteads for Hope. Jenny, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad Good to be to back. See you. You've had a lot going on since... The last time I spoke with you, which I think was about uh, eight months ago, what has been going on in that in that uh, time frame? So we're celebrating our sixth full season at the farm. Um, we purchased our farm in 2016, so this is our sixth season, and we're trying to do some fundraising. <laughs> a little different these days. Um, you might have heard that we were in a national contest with Kubota Tractor Company. Yeah, and and so this was, the, how many people were in this contest? Because there were quite a few. So the initial application, which, by the way, was like 250 characters. I pretty much filled it out on my phone. And it was, how do you make your hometown proud? Wow. So, we came in top five with, you know, four other organizations out of 900 across the country. Wow. And so you got a total of 200,000, right? Yes. So uh, out of the top five, we all won $100,000 from Kubota Tractor Company. And then we did every nonprofit and every uh, dealership region across the country did a, uh, a video to tell their story. And then the nation voted on their favorite project. And we were in the lead by, I want to say, about 15,000 votes during that two-week voting period. And so we won against those nonprofits, winning a total of $200,000. And this is all in honor of Kubota Tractor Company's 50th anniversary of selling equipment in the USA. That's amazing. And you got to go 
you got to go to a uh, where did you go for the check presentation? So uh, every year they do a, a dealership conference for all their Kubota dealers. Um, our local dealer is Bentley Brothers Kubota. Uh, they're located in Brockport and Albion. And so we got to go down there to Grapevine, Texas, which is their headquarters. And they have the uh, Kubota Ranch. And we got to go see all the new equipment. We got to meet all the dealers, the different marketing specialists, like their entire team. And then uh, their big hurrah day right for their 50th anniversary is they held a private brad paisley concert so they had to be about five thousand people in this sold out like paid for arena with brad paisley singing for two hours that's amazing especially because i'm a big country music fan so when i saw i saw your i saw your facebook live you were doing some facebook lives from there and it looked like a really uh, great time i have to tell you something Whoever does your marketing, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of that. I don't know. I know you have your hands involved in a little bit of everything, but whoever did your marketing for this, the video, I mean, you were putting out different videos. It seemed like almost every day of like some of your, um, some of the people that work on the farm talking about the impact of the farm. So kudos to you for that, but just talk a little bit of how much work went into making those videos and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, uh, so we're blessed to have the support of Kubota to create a bunch of videos for us. But what they did was they hired a local videographer team, which is the Coleman Brothers. They're local. Uh, they actually have like this whole series of like horror films that they shoot. They got like some private uh, like private movies they're doing, but they really? also do weddings and then they do businesses. And so they shot all of our videos and we took so much footage to create the multiple Kubota videos that they made us a commercial. They made one about Thursday nights at the farm with live music. And they even did one for our fundraising, our pave the way campaign, which is going, the first project is going to be building a house. So um, we had the support from uh, Kubota to pretty much fund these uh, videos that we did. And I've, I am not a small team anymore. I have 10 employees now full time. Wow. That's amazing. That happened like this year. We blew up. We 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 did a lot. We served a lot of people. We have 600 families that are in partnership with us between our members, our uh, program participants, their families. Um, we have an incredible amount of volunteers, um, corporate volunteers, individual volunteers. So we're about 600 families strong now in just six years. And, you know, I, I'm a little upset at myself for not preparing a little bit better because what I should have done was see if I could have had you uh, bring on maybe a family to talk about what, uh, how the how the farm has really uh, changed their lives uh, in the positive ways. But since we don't have that, can you just talk a little bit about what you hear from the families and how it impacts them and like what kind of when let's say uh, one of the families that you uh, that works with you. Uh, what kind of changes have you seen in maybe in the family or the, the son or the daughter that you're working with over time? What kind of changes do you see and how has the farm impacted them? So I would say that for those who get the most out of the community farm experience are those who are in our Ready, Set, Work program. So they're coming to us 
for this year, they were here three days a week, full time, and they get to then intern throughout the whole farm. So they're working the farm store, the CSA, the farmer's market. Um, maybe they sell pizza in the pizza grill or they're working a wedding on the weekend. Like they're, that's their full time job. Um, that they're learning throughout the summer. And then we're a great support system for the whole family. Like we are a resource naturally, right? I'm not saying that we do like support groups for moms and siblings, but like right. naturally a place where people belong and we're inclusive and we gather together and we have the full feel for the whole family. A couple of my families, like I actually just had dinner with uh, one that i just left and came to the zoom here um, for the podcast is they embrace every moment of the farm. And for the person that comes to the farm, he waited his whole life to be able to have a place to belong. And that means the same thing for his sister and his brother and his, and his mom. And so we're a great support system. And we see someone who might have been nonverbal before, who mm -hmm. no one cared to hear their voice, to now they have all the confidence in the world because they know that they have people caring. Um, another incredible thing about some stuff that happens at the farm is I have these like young 30-something volunteers who work in the farm store and cafe and volunteer their time so that the people we serve are the ones that are employed at the farm. Um, two girls in particular work on Saturdays and Sundays and like they go out of their way to be a part of the farm and to make the experience the best that they can. So they're even like taking our uh, program participants um, out bowling or to the movies or to a different pumpkin patch or um, birthday shopping. Like it's your birthday. Let's go shopping. Um, so like seeing volunteers really being a part of that as well is making it really inclusive for everyone. And it's so interesting. Let's talk about it from the, the volunteer aspect for a moment, because I think something that you just hit on there was quite interesting. And the fact that some of these people that might be volunteering for the first time may never have been around, uh, people with these types of disabilities of any type of disability to be honest with you, and and as a person myself with a disability, I think that's the the the, the one thing that you wish people understood more was right is that just because you have um, some sort of disability doesn't make you any less worthy of hanging out with people, getting to know people, uh, all that kind of stuff. So just talk to me a little bit, maybe about how some of your you just touched on a little bit, but are, do some of your volunteers come in maybe a little nervous because they don't know what they're going to uh, encounter and then they they open up a little bit more as they get more comfortable? So there's one thing that I don't do and I do not necessarily advertise that we are seeking volunteers. Volunteers come to us. They usually stop at the farm. They're visiting the farm store and cafe for the first time. They're just intrigued by the concept. Then they meet a person that is person we serve that works there, learns there, and then they get to see their perspective of how important the farm is. Then they kind of just like say this, there's something so special here. And I've also heard a lot of people saying that like, we're kind of a church without the religious meetups every week. I got, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, um, we are truly an inclusive community where people are coming together and like the love and the caring for one another is full circle. It's like, I right. believe that 
are people that are always deemed different and sometimes deemed less when they're not mm. are doing just as much for the volunteers as the volunteers are doing for us. Right. We're a full community. Yeah. Uh, it's so interesting because my mom runs the Empire State Games for the Physically Challenged. Yep. And we will, we at Brockport College and we do a program in Long Island. Uh, and we will often hear the same thing that uh, from our volunteers that the athletes that we serve do so much more for the volunteers uh, and they walk away with a, a more fulfilling experience and, and can't wait to come back. And we always say, and it sounds like it's like this for you at the farm, that once you're hooked, you're hooked and you're, you're coming back year after year and you're telling your friends about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's addicting. It's um, you just see people's abilities grow at the farm. You see those with disabilities in a whole new light because you mm. see that they have purpose and meaning and like they run the show. Right. How right. many times can you walk up into an agency that serves people with disabilities and feel like, it's their home. Right. Or far yeah. their home. At this point, I do have 10 staff, but like I would say that the participants and those who are that we're serving are the ones who are greeting you from the moment you come to the farm. And they're the ones that know everything. Like I can't be there all the time to say, oh, we have this event going on. Oh, sign up for this membership. Oh, yeah, we meet up on Monday nights. We have a bowling league on Friday. I don't have time to do all that, but the participants who are living it and enjoying it are the ones that are spreading the word and spreading the awareness and telling these other friends and families. And the families are saying like, you know, if you've never felt like you belonged anywhere, you should try Homesteads for Hope. It is a place where you truly feel like you're a part of the family. And it's because we walk the same walk. We're right. in the same shoes. So right. we right. really connect on a whole new level. So there are families that I met for the very first time and maybe saw a couple other times. And I go, I just feel like I've known you forever, but it's because we're cut from the same cloth. Yes. And before we go on, I just, I know we talked about this on the very first podcast I did with you, but for anybody that didn't get a chance to listen to that one or doesn't remember, uh, tell me where your passion for this uh, uh, type of work, Homesteads for Hope, where that all comes from. Uh, I know that you and your mom started this, but just tell tell the, the listeners and the viewers out there where your passion comes from for all of this. I'm a sister to autism. I'm 33 now. My brother Chucky is 31. And he grew up in a time when we didn't know what autism necessarily was. My mom thought the doctor said he's going to be an artist. Like, how do you know he's going to be an artist? Autism has consumed my life. It has been every book report. It's been every school project. And right into college, I went to school for construction management engineering. And I was in my business class designing subdivisions that were going to be housing models for people with disabilities. So my whole life has been surrounded by this. But it's also because I see my brother as an equal. I don't see him as less. And I also know, and why would I be doing Homesteads for Hope if I didn't have to? The system is broken. And especially, I believe, like, so a lot of parents out there, you might be listening and you're worried about the IEP. 
Okay. And I know that that's hard and I can't speak to that because like, I'm not a mom. And so I didn't have to grow up helping my mother with that. But like when the school bus stops coming for those with disabilities, it's no longer a system where you are assumed to get services. You hope that you get services. There are waiting lists. There is lots of boxes to check to see if you fit the mold. And let's be honest, there's just not a lot of services out there to serve people with disabilities. So when you think that you're going to get a group home, you think you're going to get a day program and a work program and this whole big system out there to serve those with special needs is available. It's crumbling. It's cracked. Like it's pretty bad. There's there's nothing. So when my there's, brother- a lot of, there's a lot of red tape too, right? I don't want, I want people to walk away from this podcast understanding that uh, it's not like the systems are, these programs are out in the open either. Like you have to, you have to go searching for these programs that uh, an individual may need. It's not like, you know, you go to your grocery store and there's a bulletin up on a bulletin board saying we have this program and come check it out. So just talk about that a little bit too. Like, you have to get a caseworker and all of that stuff. And how you can have a service coordinator one week and a different one the next week. And I swear, I mean, hey, guys, I might be the founder of Homesteads for Hope Community Farm, but even my situation for my brother is still not perfect. And it's because it's the system. I have been trying to get my brother to go to a pool for a year. No, well, it's pretty much since COVID. I had a pool program before COVID for Chucky. He's a fish. He loves swimming. He can hardly walk. He uses a walker now because he's so unbalanced and, and unsteady. And um, they say it's gait issues, but like he loves swimming and it's great exercise. You sure. think they could get me a freaking pool? No, they can't find me a pool apparently. And, but yet they make sure every little signature that they need on a piece of paper that they get that from me, but they can't do something that is his choice. Right. That he wants to do and that, that would help him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, red tape everywhere. It's, it's a daily struggle. It is a daily struggle. So I want to talk a little bit about this money that you, you got from Kubota because, I want, uh, what will, what will some of this money be used to, uh, uh, for on the farm? Okay. So kind of like something big right now, and I'm going to try to elevate it, speech it very well for you. So Homesteads for Hope needs to raise $3 million in a campaign we've called Pave the Way because we want to close the gaps on some of the projects at the farm, which is our capital. Like we want it to be accessible. We want it to be weatherized. We want to be able to expand and serve people for programs um, at the farm on like 25 acres. Like if you've been there, it's the acreage that's along the Erie Canal. We want that to be completed. And then we want to fundraise for capacity so that we have enough staff and job coaching and money to move forward to housing. So we're trying to raise $3 million at this stage in six, in six years to pave the way to putting homes into homesteads. We want to be able to put residential housing at the farm. I don't feel bad for asking for $3 million because we know that people are living in $3 million homes. Rich people have million dollar yachts. Um, the money is out there. It's just, I don't feel like the money is necessarily as important right now to serve a population that is seemed to have all the money from the government for services. 
So we're trying to launch a campaign and we have raised in total with the Kubota money, a total of $590,000 in the last probably eight months. And wow. we're trying to hit a goal of 3 million. So the Kubota money was unrestricted, meaning we could use it for anything of our operations. But of course, it's going to go to our people. It's going to go to accessibility. It's going to go an opportunity to expand. Um, right now, our largest project on the farm is the building of the Forever Homestead. So right now, the farm's a really great program, um, an amazing program, from May through November. We slightly have to kind of close down during the winter months and get and rent a winter classroom offsite because we don't have any heated buildings to maintain status at the farm. So we're trying to build a, a house at the farm. It's already an existing home that needs a renovation. Okay. We want to put on a new addition. It'll create 6,000 square feet of operational year-round heated space with staff offices and a, multiple classrooms, gathering space for families, and my favorite, a kitchen. What kind of farm are you if you can't cook? If you don't have a kitchen, now? right? Um, so it'll be able to expand so many things by just having a place to be during the winter, being able to have large enough space to attract new people to our programs and a place to gather of our families. We have the historic barns, but they're, that's only good on the warm weather months. I don't want to stop seeing my families come wintertime. So, right, um, because there's so many things that you can do in the wintertime at the farm that maybe uh, folks aren't, wouldn't be able to do if it wasn't for the farm, right? Yes. And right now, I mean, a lot of people love our program because we are using nature as a classroom. We're outside. Okay. We're not inside stuck in a stuffy room under fluorescent lights. You come to the farm in the busy season, you don't see people on cell phones. We don't have any TVs. We don't even have tablets. The only main electronic we have at that farm is a cash register in the farm store. That's very different than, you know, typical programs. So sure. come winter time, we're, we have to go inside because it's cold. Right. Okay? But like it takes the flavor and the uniqueness of our program out when we have to do that. So we're hoping at least when we have the farm, yes, we're inside, but we still have access to the outside. We, we don't even want to get more animals at the farm because it's so difficult to care for them and feed them during the winter time. Right. Right. So yeah. it's just so many barriers because we can't stay at the farm full time. Right. But right now, Homesteads is like kind of on this like, like we're on the tip of the iceberg. Something's going to happen. Something great's going to happen. And it, yes, it's Kubota. Um, we just won the Oaks Construction Roof Contest. So we won a roof for this. And, that's a, and that was a local contest, right? Literally in Spencerport. Like, their their home base headquarters is five minutes or miles from the farm. Right, that's amazing. And you're gonna that you're gonna the, that roof is gonna go on. We were where's that gonna go? So at the farm is an existing two hundred year old historic structure. Okay, it's original estate home that started construction in eighteen twenty three at the same Holy time the Erie Canal was being built. Wow. So, um, so when the company came up, they, and this just came out Monday. So like 
wait, is it Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Literally yesterday this news came out, so you guys get to hear it. Um, uh, I love breaking news, so... <laughs> But I brought them in the house, the original old historic house that needs a straight renovation. It needs to be gutted, all the utilities, wiring um, right. the walls, everything. But the roof is in really bad shape. And I was really embarrassed. And I was so embarrassed. I'm like, maybe they won't want to do the full house because it's in such bad shape. But we went up in the attic and they don't make houses like they used to. <laughs> The beams, the structure of this home is built so solid. So really it just needs um, all the shingles ripped off, new right. thing, new barrier for moisture. And we're going to have a new roof. And guess what? They want to do it before Christmas. That's amazing. Can every contractor work like that? <laughs> right. I, right. I, I wonder. That is, that's. Uh, Maybe that's we call your guy. What's that? Maybe we call your sponsor. Maybe we call, maybe we give them a call. Why not? Well, I'll give them a call. Absolutely. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Um, when you talk about wanting to build this $3 million project, this undertaking that you're undertaking, uh, how many houses are you, how many uh, people are you looking to house on the property? So in the future. Yeah. Just, just okay. So three yeah, million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't, isn't going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, the housing in the future, which I want it to be the very, very near future, um, by acreage, based on the type of housing that we want to create, we could serve over two hundred individuals on thirty acres. Wow. And that's not having them live like sardines on top of each other. And they're not group homes. They would be inclusive housing where we'd have a mix of um, paid neighbors, some live-in shared duplex models, um, right. even college students to like live on campus as like an RA to be supportive of that community. Right. That's amazing because, yeah, and you could speak to this probably a little bit better than even I can just because you you're you're trying to do this and really spearheading it but how hard is it for somebody with a some sort of disability to find affordable housing and then also housing that is up to standards enough for them to say that it's accessible for them impossible mm. absolutely impossible so like i'm gonna break it down a little bit here so yeah. There is, we're going to call certified housing. So that means you are, the housing that you would live in is managed by a service agency that is Medicaid funded. Um, that is a certified site. Okay. So typically like right now, that's six beds in a group home. That's where my brother lives. Okay. Right. Then you have the new non-certified self-directed model, which is supposed to give you choice. Well, Unless they are creating affordable housing models for you to live in, they you can't you can't just go and find any apartment. Right. You have to then get roommates, which you hope that they're going to be great. Right. We like I went to school like I didn't really like my roommates half the time. Things <laughs> you have to work within everyone's money budget to be able to fund the needs and support of the home. Right. Again, based on. <laughs> you know, your ability level or your, you know, um, independence. Some people could live more independently, but like, unless mommy and daddy or your great auntie can buy you a condo or a nice house that you don't have rent to pay. 
Right. Think of the social security thing we talked about. There's no way to, it's affordable. So um, I've got a couple models like bouncing around in my head. Um, I research constantly and I'm still in touch with a lot of other intentional campuses across the country. Um, I just went to Benjamin's Hope right after Texas. So they're a 30 acre farmstead in Holland, Michigan, and they have 10 beautiful homes there. And she's looking to even do things differently and create more of a choice model instead of, uh, yep, we got this uh, person and they need a house. And uh, can you, can you help them? It's like, do they want to live there? Right. Can they afford to live there? Right. They like their roommates. Do they want roommates? Yeah. It's almost one of these things. Like it's not you for people that uh, do live on their own. I almost feel like it's one of these things. Like it's not, this is where I want to live. This is almost where I have to live because this is what I can afford. Or this is um, this only thing that's available. Right. Right. Then if you're on a waiting list, (laughs) if you don't take the thing that you've been waiting on, you get to the end of the list. You don't just get to like, I'll wait for the next best thing. Parents, some parents are so desperate that they literally take whatever is out there. Yeah. And again, and I, I am talking from a standpoint, really though, like people that we have to be their voices. We have to advocate for them. And of course, there is just as many people who have different abilities that can advocate for themselves. But I'm telling you, the barriers are just as hard. Right. That, that Because I can advocate for myself, yeah. right? I, I, I can speak for myself. But the avenues of of filling out the paperwork and all that kind of stuff uh, is is the difficult part, right? Uh, I remember when I uh, had to get on uh, Medicaid and Medicare, and that turned into almost a year long process because one part of the the government wasn't talking to another part of the government, so some of the paperwork always got kicked back, and and I think it's also tough on parents, right? When you you talk about some of these individuals need people to, to speak for them or speak on their behalf, but if the parent is overwhelmed because they don't even know what they're looking to do uh, or what's out there, then it just becomes a, a, a clogged up system. And I think at some point, some people just give up and say, we're just going to try to do it on our own. Yeah. And I've heard of families doing that. Like uh, a family bought the vacant house, like right across the street and they created a self-directed home, which they then shared with their son and then two other people. And then the budget's good and the staffing seems okay. Oh, the staff doesn't come in. Mom and dad are going across the street to be the staff for these three individuals that live there because staff didn't show up. Right. Or the van breaks and it's like, okay, we don't have another van. So, okay, parents are going to take everybody. Or uh, someone doesn't want to live in that house anymore. Or they can't live in that house because there's a safety issue for other individuals. Right. Then their budgets makes no sense. And they could, if like parents weren't advocating, they're out, they're out on the streets. They're, they have nowhere to go. Um, it's a very, very frustrating system. And, you know, I might be young and some people might not think I know what I'm talking about, but I know exactly what I'm talking about. And I know too much for it to sit comfortably with me. We have a huge issue in this country and 
you know, I gotta be honest, it's really starting to get to me, especially lately. I have been feeling like I'm hitting a block wall trying to seek out funding. Now, I don't know enough people to just pick up the phone and talk to the heavy hitters in town, right? right. I, I, I'm a farmer. I'm doing the work. I don't just be in a suit and walk around and right. try to talk to people and ask for money. So I'm writing grants. But what I'm finding out with grants is someone told me recently we don't have to give, we don't need to give people with disabilities money because the government already gives them the supports they need. Mm. Why would I be asking if they didn't? Right. Or um, the new DEI statements, diversity, equity, inclusion. Hey, you know what? It's great. But the fact that people with disabilities is not included in that inclusion factor blows my mind. Right, because we're a big population. I mean, it's a underserved. Big, yeah, it's a big population. Uh, I think I don't, and I don't remember the stat, but there, I recently saw a stat of the the percentage of people with disabilities that don't actually work uh, 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 a full time job. Seventy five percent. Is it seventy five percent? I was going to say I just saw it, but I couldn't remember. Seventy five percent. And we could get into a whole conversation about that uh, because I, I, and I want people to know that are going to be listening to this. I'll just take it from my perspective because I deal with it on a daily basis. I want to work a full-time job, right? I want to be a productive member of society. But society says to me, well, you could do that, but then you're going to lose all the services you need to survive. So all the wheelchairs that I need, all the the doctor's appointments that I go to. Now, right now I'm pretty healthy, so I don't go to many doctor's appointments, but the doctor's appointments that in the future I may need to go to that are all, all covered. And people say, well, if you're working, you don't need that. But you still you still need it in the sense that wheelchairs are expensive. Adaptive equipment is expensive. And you can talk to this. I mean, you just talked about making the farm uh, more handy, uh, more handicap accessible or more accessible to all different types of people. What What is that going to look like for you? That's going to be a big undertaking. Well, I love construction. So like, I like that part. I can't do the whole like build the house thing, but like I could do some dirt work some earthworks, some kind there of, you go. that's all me. Um, but we hear about accessible playgrounds, which is great because we all love kids. Right. But like those kids grow up, right. <laughs> I may get hurt tomorrow and end up in a wheelchair. Right. My home is not accessible. My workplace is not accessible. The community experiences that I enjoy are not accessible. Like we're just, we're not there yet. Right. right. We're just not there. And you know what? Um, I think about you often, you are a powerhouse and like you deserve a big job on the radio, a big one. And you have to really sacrifice. Is it going to be your medical benefits that you need because mm. something might turn differently in the future and, and you need those supports or do you work a job and hope that you're going to get those benefits? Cause I can almost guarantee just because someone's disabled, whichever way that looks right. Right. They are like, uh, he doesn't have to work full time. Right. It doesn't even matter the, the ability that you bring to the table. Right. It and just- it's interesting. It's so interesting to me because, and 
I, I wanted to talk about the farming, but we're getting a little off topic. But these uh, are this these, is why we had to do the farm. These are important topics to talk about because I don't think people understand. Uh, it's not that you don't want to work, or it's not that you don't want to go out and do things. But when you have to uh, say, "Well, can I go here because is it accessible?" You know, when that has to be your first thought that other people don't don't think about. And I'm not one that says everything has everything should be accessible. But I'm not looking for it to all happen overnight. But some small changes would be great. And to, if you say I'm a powerhouse, I look at someone like you and say you're the powerhouse because you are literally making a difference uh, in this community. And you are doing such a great job. And I want to talk about, too, before we, uh, before we get too far off the farm, Talk to me about you have different levels of sponsorship uh, that people can do, uh, right? Am I so like if they want to come on the farm and participate in some of your things, they can they can sponsor in that way, right? Yeah. So I mean, to get involved at the farm, our biggest way to do so is obviously be a part of our Ready Set Work program. That is learning to work in nature's classroom, which is the farm which is the full operation from the farm store to the cafe, to the grill, to the wedding venue, to the CSA food share, to managing the animals, taking care of the whole property. Then we have memberships. So our smallest membership is the social opportunity so that you can come and have free recreation at the farm seven days a week. And then you get our clubs and classes for free. Then we have a garden membership. So you can actually learn to garden or farm in your own personal plot. And then we have the CSA food share. Um, and that is when our students of our Ready, Set, Work program are harvesting food for you 22 weeks out of the season. So those are like the three ways to super get involved. And then, of course, there's volunteering. Now, as far as like getting involved from a sponsorship level, um, we used to do a lot of events. Um, and I don't want to drop the ball today to say that, like, I don't want to do any more events, but like. I want people to support the sponsorship of building this facility to be weatherized and to be accessible for all learners 12 months a year. That is what I want people to support us with their sponsorship. And I am begging every industry and construction to contact us to make that happen. That is what we need support with. And that is a big way because you can walk on that farm and we put signs everywhere of if like Wegmans donated a greenhouse or um, Gotti Plumbing is like picked like their logos right outside our bathroom. Like you could walk through and see who built this community. So like, you know, who your next plumber is like, you know, who your next contractor is. Right. Um, those are ways to get involved. And I think next year we are um, unleashing like a new sponsorship opportunity is I want to partner individuals that we are training um, to get jobs in the greater community um, to then like pretty much get job shadowed. So I'm looking for businesses that want to sponsor um, those who I serve with um, job opportunities, skill-based learning in their work site and hopefully employ them there. If not, pay for their employment at the farm. Like support and offset their costs because everyone deserves a paycheck. Right, because that is getting a paycheck is, you know, you shouldn't 
everybody needs to make money, right? And you don't have to get yourself worth from making money. You should get yourself worth from a lot of different avenues. Mm -hmm. But each one of us, you and I both know that uh, when you turn a certain age, let's say 16, and you get that first paycheck, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people in the, the population that we're speaking about probably have never had that opportunity. Um, so to give them that opportunity, and you said something earlier, you said the word purpose, uh, to give them purpose, right? It's to, to, they have a reason to get up every day and to do something. And that's, that's probably even the bigger uh, value than the money is a reason to get up and do something. So the, the ready, set, work apprentices who learn to work at our farm, who then intern with us to basically earn their job, who then are now graduated and getting employed in real competitive employment at the farm, they are a certain breed. They are never late for work and they never miss a day. I cannot say that about my other employees that are typical. <laughs> They're literally the best because they want to be there. It is the thing that it's the thing they look forward to every single day. It's like, I'm going to work. I'm so proud of myself. Right. I don't even know if it's a paycheck at the end of it. I think it is truly purpose and that someone is counting on them and they show up and they show up tenfold. And they're also because they're out in the community or they're out at the farm, they're meeting other people, right? So you're meeting people and you're constantly learning people's names and, and forging these relationships that you necessarily, because of the services we were talking about, don't get to make if you're not able to go out and, and work. Yeah, or make your own choices of what you want to do and where you work. So one of my, uh, so farmer Steve works with us at the farm now, and he uh, does the CSA. He's probably there about 25 hours a week working. Okay, this isn't piddly jobs. This isn't like, oh, we'll give you six hours a week. It's like, no, we're giving him a sizable, sizable job. Right. And, a and uh, he came from a work program in the community that I believe did very well. But like, they probably should have known like I did in the first year. He learned this. He learned the task. He's beyond the task. Right. He couldn't do the mediocre, unpurposeful work that they were giving him. And I, we found a way that a farm is, there's always something to do. Right. And there's a beautiful routine to it. And he is doing absolutely phenomenal. And it's just sad that he's like 28 now. And he had to wait all those years for someone to give him a chance. Mm. Yeah. You're, 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 what, what, what we're talking about here and what you're saying is even hitting home with me because it, it is a, uh, it is a, it is a daily struggle, even for me, for someone who is as visible as I am in the community to, um, to keep finding that purpose. Right. And so, it's programs like these that really help out. And uh, somebody in the comments, I don't know if you can, can you see the comments on the side of the screen? Uh, uh, somebody in the comments said you should reach out to uh, the garden factory and uh, because they would be a perfect fit for what you're doing. And, uh, I, know and I know some people over there. So maybe, maybe we, what's that? 
I know some peeps over there. Yeah, I think you do actually. I think you do. And uh, but yeah, listen, folks, if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be listening to this podcast. There's many ways to help out. Um, I do want to touch on when you talk about. So we've talked about the the program where the kids are or the people are learning, not kids. I should not say kids. I, I do it too, but they're mine. Right. <laughs> Uh, where the participants are learning about the farm. But I know you also have other programs uh, that you do. So you talked about the, 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 they can learn how to garden and stuff like that. But are there other programs besides the, the ones that you've mentioned? Do you have other ones too? Like, what do you do in the winter time? That's the problem. Well, <laughs> the only reason I say that is because you said you rent a space. So I didn't know if there were other things that you do within that space so uh this year we were we received a donation of winter program space and that is from galena development thank you next sponsor okay <laughs> get them all in here we want to get them all in um he donated a corporate space right on manito across from the new amazon and we have six thousand square feet and it's amazing to have a heated space with bathrooms and offices if we even needed them but we're not using them yet okay because we're still at the farm um in the office trailer uh we have to do a lot of busy work so we're making market goods for next year's well for right now for the holidays and the farm store and stuff like we're making goods that will be then sold in the farm store um, every participant we have is going to be learning their own enterprise. So something that they can do that they can make at, at the farm or at home, and then they can sell it in the farm store. So we're looking to turn them into little entrepreneurs. So whatever that might be and choose to be, um, we do a lot of, uh, we're going to be picking up on some more field trips and then some internship opportunities. So last year, I think we had about 10 internship sites, throughout the community. So we're going to expand that again, but it's like a lot of busy work, but they don't come to the farm every day to take care of the animals. They don't start in the greenhouse until March. Um, but I feel like if we were at the farm, we could do a lot more. Like we could take the cold out of the barn temporarily to do construction projects and to do some maintenance projects on the equipment. We could take care of our animals. We would have a reason to heat our greenhouses and attempt to do farming year round. Um, but right now, if we're not on site and our team and our family is not there, like it, it's very, very hard to do so. Um, but to answer your question, like we offer a lot of stuff. You can find all this information on our website and I will tell you that they're at different times um, and throughout the season. So we have Ready, Set, Work. We have our social membership, our garden membership, our CSA membership. With the social membership, we have a farm. Well, actually all memberships get this. My apologies. Uh, we have Farm Club. That is for ages under 15 years old. They meet weekly and it's like a 4-H program, but it's at homesteads. Then we have Hope Crew, which is like honestly really cool. It's just like young adults going out and doing the things that they want to go and no one will take them. So they go to hibachi. They're going to like bars, karaoke night, dirt games, like whatever they want to do. We're like, okay, let's go. So they go out and do some advocating. They also support other nonprofits and um, they just showed up to Ar Artists Unlimited show um, of Willy Wonka that they had at Greece School. Um, so we're supporting other communities as well. Uh, we have social garden experience. So 
I'm trying to do something. I know there's not enough time to talk about it, but I know that probably people would perceive the farm to only be accessible for people who are higher functioning. And I don't like those words because just because my brother cannot put a full sentence together does not mean he's probably smarter than you. Okay. Right. He just can't tell you he is. Right. Um, but I do need to create more of an accessible program that is routine and that is year round for those who need additional help because of communication barriers, because of maybe just behaviors in general, um, because they can't, because they can't communicate. That's really why people have behaviors. Um, and those who just might need a little one-on-one -on -one help. Um, I'm trying to create a, a program that'll work for people like my brother full-time, but that requires the farm being available full-time with when, weatherized space. So it can't be too hot. It can't be too cold. Sometimes like it, we need a classroom. Um, and I want to be able to help those who need a little extra help. There are a lot of families right now that are completely struggling because there's such a communication barrier with their, like their adult that they don't know what to do. So we've got some great ideas. We've been piloting a program since day one. So I just need that house to be able to launch it. So if you want to learn more about that, that's social garden on our website. And then what is the, what is the, what is the website? Just give people the the website address, just so that they want to go look at whatever, whatever they want to go look at, they can go look at. So it's homesteads. Do not forget the S it is plural because we will have multiple homes at the farm homesteads for F O R hope.org. Okay. So go check that out. And, and, uh, you were going to say some of the, another program there that I cut you off, but I just wanted Summer. to give the website summer work experience. Okay. So this is supposed to be a transitional, like eight week program, uh, for those during the summer months, like prior to them graduating to give our full-time program a shot. Um, send me your child, send me your bratty child. I don't care what ability their level is. Everyone needs ready, set work. The job skills in these young adults, I used to, I used to hire, train, intern individuals working in my construction business for 10 years. Everyone needs their hand held a little bit when they're starting off in employment. And I would love to give that to people and also create an inclusive experience during the summer for those with all abilities. So if your person is over the age of 16 and is willing to uh, come work on the farm this summer, please send them to me. And we did have a question. Uh, somebody said, do you need volunteers? And we touched on that briefly earlier. And you don't really advertise for volunteers, but if somebody wants to come and volunteer, all they have to do is come down to the farm and uh, you'll take care of them from there, right? Yeah, um, I see you, Meg. Check out online. Uh, we will be posting what the schedules may look like for next season, Is if it be the harvest days. Can you help and support a person in the grill, the farm store, the cafe? Um, we're also looking for things like talent teachers. Like if you have a talent, it could be artistry, it could be a mu uh, musician. Um, if you want to come and support our curriculum, please do. And then, uh, like I said, you in construction, come see me. I got projects out the wazoo. There you go. I just have one other question before I let you go. Cause it, it, people like you amaze me because the, the amount of energy that you seem to have it seems to be endless. And I'm just wondering how many ideas do you have bouncing around in that head of yours that you're like, and does anybody at any time have to say, okay, Jenny, we need to just 
focus on this one thing right now, and then we can maybe work on this thing over here. I've gotten people so hyped up about what this full vision of this community is going to look like for their families that I now have to tell people they have to calm down. They want housing yesterday and I'm with you. But like, I have no business talking about 30 acres of housing if I can't create a program that's year round or to build one house at the farm and to get the support and backing from our community to do one house until we, and then 30 houses. Um, This is my full-time job now. I, well, you knew this. I sold my gravel pit. I do not work in construction anymore. Do you miss it? uh, Yes. But, but I get to go and play outside on the farm sometimes. So it's nice, but it's, it's good to just focus on one project, one business, um, because this community needs this so much. And I hope that only so many people could literally come and visit next season, right? Because we're kind of closed. Kind of closed now. I'm very upset at myself because I did not get, I did not make it out there this summer. I am going to make it out the next time you are open. We're going to do a podcast live from there. Okay. Uh, We're going to, I don't need, I don't need anything special except my cell phone and, and we'll get some permission from uh, some of the families, and maybe we'll bring them on, and we'll do we'll do that kind of stuff. But uh, just one other quick thing: let's say somebody's listening to this podcast, or they've been watching this podcast, and they just they just want to donate some money, but they don't want to they don't want to do the membership. Is there a place where they can just donate money? Yes. So again, please uh, check out our website homesteadsforhope.org. We're also on YouTube, Instagram. We even have a new TikTok now. There's tons of ways to find us, see what we're all about. And then there is a donation button right on our front page of our website. And there's an icon in the top right corner. And you can learn about where your money is going to go. We need to pave the way for the future. And that is to complete 25 acres for this community to grow their unique abilities. So then we can provide them a true place to live um, for the rest of their lives. That Listen, this is a beautiful mission. This is, uh, I'm happy to, to uh, have met you uh, through my cousin of all, of all things. Uh, you went to school with, with one of my cousins and yeah. my, uh, my cousin Mary talks very highly of you, and I'm fortunate enough to call you a friend now. So anything I can do for you, let me know. You need to come back on and plug something. More than happy to have you on here. Ladies and gentlemen, go to the website, homesteadsforhope.org. Did I say that right? Did I get it right? Yes. I got it right. We also have put it in the chat. Go there. If you if you don't want to sign up for a membership, but you want to donate some money, Drop in a little donation. Every little bit helps. Uh, listen, I was around telethons for long enough. They'll take five. They'll take ten dollars. They'll take a dollar. If you only can donate a dollar, they'll take the dollar. Just, just one dollar. Just one dollar. Just think, if you if you donate one dollar every time you every time the Mega Million gets up really high, if you take that one dollar that you were gonna play on the Mega Millions and you go donate it to this project right here they'll be building houses before you know it thank you jenny i appreciate you so much 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in with Wednesdays with Wheels, and we'll see you next Wednesday when we'll have another very important guest. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.